Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Do you like coffee? I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA-certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. I was introduced to Fresh Roasted Coffee soon after moving to central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or a pour-over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Brad Gray, of course. I'm the senior pastor of Stonington Baptist Church in Paxinos, Pennsylvania. I am so happy to be with you here today, uh, talking to you. Uh, I am excited because uh, I have just been pondering on uh, ways that I can uh, continue reaching out to you, uh, reaching out to my uh, church and uh, minister to them, but also share just things that I'm reading each and every week. And so that's why I'm excited to kind of bring back an older feature that if you've been around my blog for a while, you'll remember this title. I'm just kind of re retooling the old title Pastor Brad's Corner. For a while, uh, this blog was even titled Pastor Brad's Corner. But I'm bringing back Pastor Brad's Corner for uh, this space. Uh, I hope to make a regular feature. I'm not going to promise that this will be a weekly sort of uh, feature, but I do hope to uh, allow some time each week to sort of just talk and reflect, to share uh, some of the articles that I've been reading and just kind of talk through them, but also kind of reflect on uh, the sermons that are happening each week. So, you know, I'll just tell you, uh, so often as a pastor, you can just get caught in sort of this grind of sermon after sermon and studying and preparing, and when it's done, you just move on to the next one. And I think that it's 
good and right and, and, and it's 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 just to do. But also I think too, um, we need to have some time. And I, I know I'm speaking for myself to just reflect on um, on on things that we're hearing in sermons and in things like that. And so that's what I hope to do through this space, just kind of talk through uh, things that are on my mind and, and things that uh, as I reflect on a sermon, um, things that I, I, I hope to just really press into your mind or things that I, looking back, wish that I would have pressed more. Uh, and so both of those uh, ideas I hope to um, I hope to you uh, use and utilize this this space for in Pastor Brad's corner. Um, and another, actually, uh, another feature that I'm bringing back tomorrow. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm bringing back a, the long running tradition of links I like. So if you uh, were familiar uh, with this blog for a little while, you know that for about a year I did a weekly feature of links I like, which I posted, which is just um, a collection of stories, news articles, videos. Just random things th- um, from around the web that I enjoy, that I have uh, found a lot of benefit from, and I just put them together and uh, share them with you. And so I'm bringing that back tomorrow. It'll be the first edition of that. I hope to do that weekly as well, uh, just sharing some things that um, that I've enjoyed, that I've got encouragement from or entertainment from or enrichment from. And so I hope to share that with you uh, in Pastor uh, links I like tomorrow. And then Pastor Brad's Corner, I hope to do Fridays, uh, though I'm not promising it'll be every week. <laughs> um, but uh, I really do enjoy this opportunity to speak with you, to share with you. And uh, in light of that, this past Sunday, we held our very first sort of real church service, so to speak, in the midst of all of this uh, COVID-19 um, hysteria. Uh, this this past Sunday was uh, May 10th, uh, fittingly on Mother's Day. Uh, we have never, Stonington Baptist Church has never really closed our doors. You know, there were several churches that have gone strictly online, um, and it, I'm very happy to say that they have really thrived in that venue. Uh, Stonington, uh, my church, we did not make that decision. Uh, We've been meeting uh, very smallly uh, with a very small sort of uh, group of people in our church services, and we've featured them online predominantly. Uh, We haven't necessarily closed our doors. Whoever has wanted to show up has shown up. And um, I think that has been really beneficial for me. Um, Although I will say that uh, Sunday was just just a wonderful wonderful time to be with um, with my church family again. Um, it is very noticeable how much I missed singing hymns and just singing songs uh, congregationally. Um, there is definitely something to be said about the sermon and its importance and its function in uh, sort of corporate worship, if you want to say that. But I also think, too, that, you know, we sing hymns for a particular reason, and they're not just there to sort of fill space. They're not just there to sort of uh, make the sermon or the service last longer or anything like that. They have a real purpose. And their purpose is to really drive into the hearts of every single person that's in attendance in the sanctuary to uh, focus their minds and their hearts and their souls and their thoughts on the worship that's about to happen, on the uh, on the event of the sermon. Yes, that is primary. It's, it, we talk about that throughout the New Testament, um, of how the, the, the proclamation of the Word is the primary way by which people are changed and saved by the Word. But rightly so, we cannot ignore the importance of singing. And I think that that's what I gathered, uh, just being with 
with my church family on Sunday is just, it is wonderful to sing the hymns of the faith, to sing hymns that are just rich theologically and have this have this abundance of truth in them that that steer our minds towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was thankful for that. It was wonderful. We um, sung two hymns, and we had a special song by one of our ladies in the church, Joanna Shively, shout out to Joanna, um, singing for Mother's Day. And I was just really happy that we were able to have Mother's Day, sort of this service quote, our real church service back together, just sort of functioning somewhat normally. And uh, I'm really thankful for that. And I'm really happy to say that we're going to continue doing that um, for as long as we need to. Uh, We are, of course, emphasizing uh, social distancing and all those sorts of things. But it was good to uh, be, uh, quote, normal church again, if I can say that. Uh, I was preaching, though, in uh, Mark chapters 11 and 12. So uh, I've been walking through, if you haven't been listening to sermons or anything like that, if you're not a member of my church, you will, you will know that, um, uh, you will not, you will not know this, but I've been walking through Mark on Sunday mornings and I've tried to be really faithful on how I've done that, uh, taking little scene by little scene and just emphasizing how this shows us, uh, my title for, uh, this sermon series has been unexpected because I think throughout Mark, we are given this unexpected view of Jesus in that he is not a Messiah that we are perhaps accustomed to hearing about or familiar with or actually even sometimes comfortable with being around. And uh, this is the Messiah that Mark is presenting to us, Jesus doing and saying unexpected things, and he is going to unexpected places and giving an unexpected message of grace to those unexpected and unassuming people. And uh, we've been seeing that throughout these chapters in Mark, uh, and I'm really excited. My favorite chapters are definitely Mark uh, 8, 9, and 10. And then now we've been walking through in chapter 11 where we start with Holy Week, and Holy Week will uh, focus all of Mark's thoughts throughout the rest of the gospel. Um, and so we've been walking through uh, Holy Week and just how Jesus has been uh, conducting himself. And uh, this past week we were talking about um, Jesus in the temple again, and now he's being approached by all of these different groups uh, for questions. You go through the questioning about Jesus' authority, and he tells the parable of the wicked farmers in the vineyard, and then he goes on to have a question about taxes, a question about the resurrection, a question about which is the greatest commandment in the law, and whatnot. And, And then he ends with that wonderful declaration that he is the Lord, quoting from Psalm 110, verse 1, where he says, "'The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool.'" And he uh, confounds the the scribes and the elders and the chief priests in that moment. Um, but I was just so uh, thankful that I was able to walk through it. But I will say, I'll confess to you, I think I did bite off a little bit more than I can chew this past Sunday. So I, I preached from ooh, Mark chapter 11, verse 27, all the way down through verse 37 of chapter 12, uh, which is quite a large portion um, portion of this gospel to cover. Uh, I covered it in roughly 40 minutes. I don't usually try and speak that long. Um, but I wanted to get all of these questions in together. And I think that that's good and also bad, um, if I'm just being honest with you. It's good because I, it gives us this really good and, and precise sense of how all these questions fit together. This is one scene 
uh, and even the, the the passage I'm going to preach about this coming Sunday, which is about uh, the widow giving her two mites in the temple, which is at the end of chapter 12. But that's even in this same moment, so to speak. Um, but these questions specifically, I think I, I was motivated to put them together and keep them in one sermon precisely because they all have the same answer. So the question about his authority, the question about um, the the question about the, the the taxes and his loyalty, the question about the resurrection and fidelity, as I termed it, and the question about the law and piety, which I termed it in my sermon, all find their answer again in those those verses thirty five through thirty seven of Mark twelve, where Jesus just outright comes out and says, "It's been right under your noses the whole time that the Lord is the Lord, and He, yes, He is the Son of David, but He's the Lord of all. He, this Messiah you're waiting for, not only is He way different and way uh, stronger and way uh, just more sovereign than you ever expected. He's me." Um, He's giving this sort of uh, uh, between-the-lines affirmative statement of his messiahship in this public way, um, even after he's already done that through um, the triumphal entry. But I think the bad part about putting all of these things together in the way that I did was that I don't think I allowed enough time for real examination of all of the stuff that I was referring to. Uh, for instance, one of the things that I, I wish I, I could have had more time to harp on, um, well, not harp on, but just to examine, which was the question of the Sadducees in the resurrection. Because they present this really interesting scenario where, you know, this uh, this guy marries this girl, and this guy has, you know, seven brothers, and they all pass away before giving this woman an offspring. And so, you know, the Sadducees, in the end, they're saying, you know, if the resurrection is true, and when they all rise, whose wife will she be? And Jesus circumvents their question, not because he thinks it's not important, but because the point I was trying to make, and I hope I made during my sermon, was the fact that their question is unimportant because their question was trying to disprove the resurrection, and Jesus is saying, you're mistaken before you've even begun your quandary. Because your question is not even worth talking about because the resurrection is true and it's unlike anything that you have ever imagined. And in that, he he gives this really interesting phrase. This is verse 25 of chapter 12 where he says, For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And the point I I stressed a little bit, but I wish I could have stressed more, I just kind of didn't press on it, uh, I guess, for sake of time. But, you know, there is this colloquial idea where when you pass away, you become an angel. You get harps and wings and you get uh, a robe and you sit on clouds and you become an angel. And there is a incredible article that I wish I could have really spent some time in. And actually, you're going to see it featured in tomorrow's uh, sort of resuming of links I like. Um, 
but it's called uh, People Aren't Downgraded to Angels When They Die. I'll put it in the links to this show. It'll be in tomorrow's episode of Links I Like. But it's an article written by my good friend Chad Bird for 1517. And he just writes about this very thing, that we are not, in his words, we aren't demoted to angels when we pass into the afterlife. Because that is truly what would happen. It would be a demotion. Um, this is something that is really important for us to realize that uh, when we are in heaven, we are still humans, glorified and perfected, yes, but we aren't turned into angels, into some sort of um, other being, other realm of existence in terms of our makeup. We are humans with flesh and blood, even still in the afterlife. And I think that that is the thing, f for me, that's is so important to to remember and to share and to and to hold um chad bird uh he in, he takes his argument primarily from Hebrews chapter 1 and 2, where he talks about uh, angels are actually the inferior beings when it comes to humans, and the fact that they are a human's ministers and servants, he says. But also, I think, too, it, it reminds me of that passage from First Peter chapter 1, where it talks about how angels are curious of us. Angels are curious of human beings, and precisely because they are those whom God sovereignly, mightily, has chosen to uh, demonstrate his grace through. Angels, they don't get to, to experience grace, uh, but humans do. And in First Peter, I think it's chapter 1, verse 12, it talks about how angels are even desiring to look into this uh, idea. They're desiring to look into this reality. This They are fascinated by the fact that, that the Father's eye God's eye is fixed on sinners, on fallen humans. Let me read you just a portion of what Chad writes. Um, he says, Now let us imagine for a moment that our loved ones do become angels when they die. What an everlasting disappointment that would be. No longer would they be humans with whom Jesus shares the intimate bond of flesh and blood. No longer would be they be those who reign with him. No longer would they be the judges of all. No longer would they be the kings and queens created in the image and likeness of God. Indeed, no longer would they be the apple of the Father's eye, the ones for whom Jesus was willing to die. And God's plan of creation and salvation for humans to become angels would be an egregious come down. No longer could they say, Christ died for me. It is therefore the best news that when Christians die, heaven does not get another angel. We cannot become angels any more than we can become giraffes or ocean waves or stars. We are human, and we will remain so after this present life. God did not make a mistake when he made us human. I just think that's a really important truth, in fact, and um, reality to keep in your mind, that when Jesus is saying... They are like angels. He's not saying that we get to turn, we get turned into angels when we pass away, when we get risen from the dead at the last day. Um, he's actually, I think, referring more to the fact that in that moment in time, we will be like angels in the sense we will have glorified existences. And, um, that's really what he's talking about. And that glorified existence um, will go into what he mentioned previously about not marrying and not given to marriage. Uh, of course, there is so much we don't know about 
heaven and the afterlife and such that it's hard to make any sort of dogmatic statement concerning what it's going to be like and all that sorts of things. But um, I think that's to make that Jesus's point, to make it as if he's saying that we turn into angels, that's missing his point, actually, uh, by um, that passage in Mark. But I think that's one of the things that I wanted to point out and bring out again. Uh, if you're curious about that, again, I would drive you to uh, Chad's article, uh, People Aren't Downgraded to Angels When They Die. It's a great article. It's really fascinating, and he explained his po- he, he explains his point uh, really articulately. And uh, so I think you will really benefit from that. Um, another article I wanted to highlight um, is an article for really one of my favorite um, – online resources out there. Um, it's Preaching Source. Uh, Preaching Source is just a great ministry, a great outlet for stories and articles, and it's just really uh, supremely um, practical, especially when it comes to ministry. It's PreachingSource.com. I'm going to put the article uh, link in uh, the notes for this. It's sort of the blogging arm of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And um, this article specifically is one that just stuck out to me. It's uh, an article by Michael Cooper, a pastor uh, in Texas, and his article is entitled The Sacredness of the Pulpit. Now, uh, that's something that's obviously very much something I'm concerned with. Um, you know, the pulpit is kind of where I do my business, so to speak. Um, and uh, keeping the pulpit sacred I, has been one of the things that I am chiefly concerned with in, in, in recent days, uh, just because as it has become my primary means of ministry, uh, preaching from the pulpit uh, each week, um, it has also been more apparent to me just how, just how corrupted it has been, just how much of an issue the pulpit has been, even since the days of the early church age, I think it's easier to point out some of the corruptions in the pulpit nowadays. Um, but, and, and that's actually what Cooper talks about in his article. So in the article, The Sacredness of, of, of Preaching, he, he writes this, with the advent of postmodernism, uh, this is Cooper writing, quote, the pulpit has lost a bit of its power and grandeur. The preacher is one without authority. During the Reformation, the pulpit was the rudder that steered the culture, but now the pulpit is caught amongst the waves from other ships. Unfortunately, this attitude is reflected in many contemporary churches. The pulpit has been relegated to a political soapbox, a therapeutic couch, or even, in some cases, a bad infomercial. The pulpit has lost its sacredness. And I would echo the same thoughts. Uh, And this is a sweeping generalization, so any of you sort of debaters out there will likely not like this, but it is very, I think, true in the fact that in a large swath of pulpits across this nation— Preaching has become substituted for something else. Uh, political soapbox talking, as as Cooper talks about, therapy, uh, conversations, uh, entertainment. Uh, as he says again, the, the pulpit has lost its sacredness. And I think that's something I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I, I really feel deeply in my bones, which is I am not at liberty to play fast and loose with the message that fills my pulpit. Why? Because when folks walk across the threshold of the church building, they aren't just people, they are souls. 
Every person who walks across that threshold into the sanctuary represents a soul that will live eternally in either heaven or hell. And depending on the message that I give to them could depend could steer them in one one or one or two of those one or those directions or the other. And yes, I know that it's not ultimately up to me, that it's the Spirit's work through the message, through the sermon, through all the aspects of worship, through even, yes, their friendships and their circle groups and all those sorts of things. And it's it's not just one particular factor, but I do think it is a primary uh, stressor of the preacher to make sure that whenever a person comes across the threshold into their church, they hear the message of forgiveness, which is the message of Christ, which is why uh, I recently wrote on this blog on the Christocentricity of Christ in this, uh, uh, or excuse me, on the Christocentricity of scripture, because it all points to Jesus. And that's not reductive. That's not elementary to say it all points to Christ and it all leads to forgiveness this is what the story of Scripture is. It's telling this story. And I, I don't ever want someone to leave a church service where I'm preaching and not hear that message. Not, I don't want them to go away thinking that they've just gotten some therapeutic self-help that is, has some Jesus sprinkled on the top of it. I want them to hear Jesus has absolved them of their sins by taking their sins on himself, on a tree, on a, on a, on a punish, through a punishment that they deserved. I want that message message to be in their ears and ringing in their ears even as they leave church. And that's why the sacredness of the pulpit to me is one of the most important, important issues of the modern church today. This is Cooper writing again. He quote, uh, this is um, Cooper's article, quote, the herald the preacher is not a cheerleader or a therapist, but rather a man speaking on behalf of the king. We speak his message. The good news concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the divine and incarnate son who through his death, resurrection, and enthronement has launched a new kingdom into the world. And anyone who pledges his or her allegiance to Jesus by faith can enter into this new kingdom. When we preach the word, we are doing more than telling good stories, he continues, or offering practical insights. We are entering into the redemptive drama of God. Therefore, to preach is not merely standing in a pulpit to speak preaching, Cooper concludes, becomes a part of the dynamic event where the living God reproduces his redemptive act to men and women. What wonderful words Cooper is writing. Wonderful words about the fact that the herald, the preacher, is sort of there as the ambassador, as the one who is the voice of the king. He is the messenger that has been commissioned with this message, and he is standing there, and he is not at liberty to speak any message he wants to, be fast and loose with that message. He is there to tell one piece of news. It's the news of Jesus. It's the news of forgiveness. And every time I step into the pulpit, that's what I want people to remember. I want them to remember that, that I preach the good news, that I preach forgiveness. 
I want it to be the one message that fills my mouth, that that, that just spills off of my lips. And, and people can uh, get frustrated with me because I m- perhaps maybe spend too much time talking about grace, but I never want there to be anyone who comes into church thinking that they are too far gone, that they have made some sort of decision that cannot be that they cannot be redeemed from. I want them to hear the message of Jesus. The message of forgiveness, the message of absolution, the message of righteousness apart from themselves, righteousness that has been gifted to them in the body and the blood of Christ. That's the message that I want to be known for. It's the message that I strive to uh, fill my pulpit week in and week out. And that's why I, I, I labor so much over the messages that I deliver, because uh, I want that to be the point. And I want that to be heard. I want that to be seen and known. Um, Well, I hope you're encouraged by that. I hope you're blessed by um, all that has been going on in the church for my church family. I I thank you so much um, for your notes and of uh, of encouragement and your prayers. Uh, I I need them. Uh, I'm thankful for them. There is nothing that I wouldn't do. Uh, for more opportunities and time to spend with you but i'm so appreciative of all the encouragement you've um you've uh, bestowed upon me so far uh thanks so much for listening Uh, if you like what you just heard make sure to subscribe to this show on apple podcasts on spotify or on google podcasts or even on anchor podcasts all those links will be available in the show notes Uh, thanks so much for listening and subscribing and just if you want to interact with a question or comment be sure to put that in the comments for this episode thanks for visiting pastor brad's corner i'll see you on the next episode blessings